Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Oh, hello and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captains. I think I Christmas see it on sports I think, pudding. I think I see it in the distance oh, there, but right at the end of the epic journey. It's the Second Captains Christmas cabin with insight. Great there work. Just mind, mind the fir tree there. Get, oh, you're about to. No, oh, sorry. You sound like you've been pulling the sleigh yourself there, Ron. Well, obviously I've had a bit of help here with Wolfie, and uh, thanks, Wolfie. Thanks, thanks, Desert Orchid. Um, we're almost there, buddy. Not sure how healthy Desert Orchid sounds, actually. Well, I, I, I mean, given that he's just been pulling a sleigh uh, in 18 degrees centigrade... With, a, with, uh, <laughs> with, only, a, yeah, with only a wolf for help. Uh, yeah, now, it's, I don't know why we chose... I suppose it's just the, the addiction to tradition, despite this uh, unseasonable warmth. Happy mm. Christmas, Murph. We could have just got the bus, but it's just not Christmassy enough, Ken. It's just not festive enough. Happy Christmas, Owen. I think we have arrived at our final destination. We sure have, Merv. <laughs> Here's the door. That's the door, okay. Let me just close that now. Oh. Ah, the fire's been left crackling all year. Not sure health and safety would be happy with this, but uh, it's nice and toasty, even warmer than it's already been. So this is it. This is the last We're going to have to strip down to our jocks and uh, enjoy this Christmas fireside. Yeah, so this is it for the next few days. Just us sitting around talking sport. Yeah. That's well, Christmas again. Well, no. Well, I'm sorry, Ken. Okay, just I'm a, sorry. But no, just I, a couple of guys pounding a couple of beers and talking about sport. It's that or spend time with the families, Ken. Christmas is Let, about spending time with your work colleagues. Yeah. My family. The, no, Ken. Don't just push those feelings to the back. Describe of your mind. the scene here, Ken, for those not lucky enough to be in the second captain's Christmas cabin. Okay, well, the second captain's Christmas cabin this year. I've decided to go with a white. Decoration mostly. I saw that, yes. Yeah. Blue well, is very in this year, though. It is, it, it, it is, but I, I thought white was more classic. Blue needs to get out, by the way. Well, the red last year, that was that was good. I mean, I know that you enjoyed mm-hmm. my handmade uh, red Christmas tree decorations. Yeah. I slaved over those. Yeah. And all one says is, oh, they're, they're nice. Where did you pick them up? You know, I made them on, I made them. But anyway, gone. Uh, I felt that the blood red last year was 
disturbing the wolf hands mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we, it's not just us. That'd just be weird. Five guys talking about sport for four days, our work colleagues. Mm-hmm. So we've brought our wolf hands. There they are. There they are there. Just to your left. Oh, and if you're sleeping at the moment. To your left there, yeah. I see them. Probably try and keep it down, but. Well, we did order some musical accompaniment, but not this guy. Who's that fellow with the heart? Do, 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 oh, it's not Or Kelly, is it? Oh, oh, this geez. is a Christmas remix. Yeah, remix. Yeah. Come on, Or. Or. Give us some lyrics. Give me a chance. I should just leave. I'm sorry, Or. I'm sorry. Or. Get out of here. It's my Closets fault. Over there. It's my fault. I invited him, but you, he should leave. And he's gone. I'm glad you're gone. I'm glad you're gone, Or Kelly. We've scoured the world searching for the one person we most want to spend Christmas with. I mean the world here. Someone who could set the tone, spread some seasonal good vibes. That search has settled on the Bay Area of San Francisco, and it's found a man by the name of Brian Murphy. U.S. Murphy will join us shortly to tell a very personal and heartwarming story. This one could test the tear ducts. I'm mm. going to say it. It's, it's touching. It's romantic. It's Christmassy enough. To sneak mm. into this program, I think um, I think we probably haven't really made that many people cry this year. Yeah. I mean, last year didn't we play that? Uh, well, was that last year? Was that twenty thirteen? I what? can't remember. You know, the Ireland New Zealand game. We played the last minute of you know when New Zealand marched us down the field and then scored a try in the last minute. There was a a bed for that that actually did make <laughs> people cry. We were getting quite a few texts and tweets saying, "Oh well." Thanks for that. I'm on the dart and bawling my eyes. I think I was one of those people because I was away for that game. That was 2013. Yeah, it was late 2013. I was was away for that game and I arrived back to all the madness. We're two years behind. I know, I know. All I'm saying is I don't think we've met anyone cry this year. Mm. So now might be the time. Truth be told, that's not the only reason we've chosen Brian for this special show. We also need to thank him. I don't know if you've heard about this, guys, but he's bestowed upon us, Ken, your humble second captains, the most prestigious award in all of American broadcasting. We finally did it. The Murph and Mackey for Most Welcome Irishman of the Year goes to Owen McDevitt and Kieran Murphy from Ireland's second captain show who came to the studio in May rocking Warriors gear. Owen's wearing a Splash Brothers shirt. He's, he's, by the way, he's probably my favorite Splash Brothers. Did you just catch when he peeled back the scarf, he still has the medium tag on the front of the shirt. (laughs) I have removed the medium sticker from it, and I'm just checking for any labels at the back. I think we're okay. Now back to the 10th annual Murph and Mackey's on KNBR 680. Hey, the Irish boys won one. Second captains. Those guys are like, those guys are like family to me, man. Those guys are I, uh, fun, and they also uh, hooked me up and hooked a lot of us up. I think with those killer uh, hoodies, those black hoodies, the second captain hoodies. Those things are great. I'm also going to tell anybody out there, free plug for these guys. They just put together a book called the first ever sports annual second captains. It is a scream. It is a hardback cover, basically like like David Letterman used to put out comedy books early in his run on NBC. This is like a comedy book of Irish sports, and they actually asked me to contribute an essay. I would tell you what, it would be worth it for anybody with a half an interest in Ireland and comedy for Christmas. Go to Second Captain's website and get their book. They didn't ask me to do that. I'm just giving them a straight plug. Oh, got to love that, man. That is, <laughs> that's an uber-competitive category, by the way, in the Murphy Mackies, the most welcome Irishman of the year. Robbie Keane, of course. Maybe not, that's not, strictly not sure the Bay Area, actually but in KMBR you know, either. At any particular stage. Not only that, but what a plug for the book. If only we were willing to put our own necks out there and crowbar in a mention of the annual at any conceivable opportunity. Ken Early, I was just trying to work out there, the great Irish left-wingers, Steve Highway, Tony Galvin, 
Damien Duff. Where do you think Duff is going to rate amongst the all-time greats of Irish football? The best one that I ever saw. It's sad that he's retired. Although, I should say, Matt, that we have a big interview with him in, our, in the second captain of the sports annual. Just coincidentally, we've got a massive <laughs> what a Damien, wonderful coincidence. Massive Damien Duff interview. Nice <laughs> you doing, Ken. Well, it was just organic. You professional bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just—it was just one of those uh, rare uh, moments. It was an opening, you know, when um, when the most germane point that you can Mm. make also happens to be the most profitable from (laughs) from a personal point of view. Uh, You know, it was the case that Damien Duff had just retired. I didn't know. I didn't know that that was going to happen. But given that he had, how could I not? make reference to the 6,000-word Damien Duff interview in the second captain's sports annual. It's true. Which contains so many points relevant to the discussion that we were about to have um, on the last word there. So, you know, it, it just seemed as though, really, I had no option but to uh, but to mention... It would have the, been weird to not to mention... It would, it, in it, the first sentence. It would have well, been... Well, <laughs> there was a full stop or at least a comma before you got If out. we'd been talking about Arsenal against Man City first, yeah, I probably would have left it. Sure. You know, but it just, it just so happened that Damien Duff came up and, you know, what, have, what better way to illustrate uh, the points about Damien Duff than by referring to this massive uh, interview in the second Captain Sports Annual. What else would you want from a radio guest than to bring their own personal twist to the news of the day? So... Chapeau to you. Just a word of caution now that you have done your Christmas shopping. Whether you bought the Second Captain's Sports Annual Volume 1 or whatever you bought, do make sure to remember exactly what you got for your loved ones. I had a rough experience there a couple of weeks ago. Go on. Don't mind me. Go on, Nero. So I was going through my credit card bill. Yeah. Um, I was looking at it. I was speaking to myself mostly. My mm. fiancé was sitting beside me on the couch, not paying much attention. What the hell is ISM? I roar out. And how can they be charging so much money for this unidentified object? So I was like, hey, hey, Rebecca, come over here. What the hell is ISM and how can they be charging so much for this project? <laughs> this uh, this um, unidentified purchase. Um, that's the Irish School of Motoring. Oh, uh, you got me driving lessons for my birthday, remember? Uh, uh, oh. Already a functional gift. I mean, I say great value, ISM, by the way. Once I r- realized what I'd actually, what mm. that was all about. Yeah. So already a functional gift, not much romance to it. And then I... But it was at least a surprise. It was at least a surprise. She didn't know exactly how much it cost. She would have worked it out probably within 10 euro Mm. if she really had a think about it. If she'd gone on the ISM website, she (laughs) probably would have figured that one out. All right, let's get US Murph in here. Let's get him onto the Irish Times setting captain's Christmas sports pudding. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. And he's out on his feet. Frank Capitino's going to let him keep going. Get it! Touchdown! Touchdown, Gordy! Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in Merry Christmas, boys, from California, the land of uh, eternal Christmas, man. We got a um, we don't get snow here in San Francisco. So when Bing Crosby sings about that white Christmas, we just sort of enviously eye our East Coast neighbors. It's really like the only day of the year we're jealous of their weather. 
But uh, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, the beautiful alpine lake of Lake Tahoe is a three-hour drive away. So if we really needed it, we could go get it. But a little soggy, a little green, and a little uh, – you put on a little bit of a, a, a raincoat, and that's your Bay Area Christmas. Hey, we got to thank you before we crack on with this, Brian. Because humbly we, thank you. Humbly thank you. We, you did flag this that we might be getting the ultimate honor. And, um, but well, you know how these award ceremonies go <laughs> on. You know, you can get robbed. The most welcome Irishman of the year. Thanks so much. Well, yeah, congratulations. Well earned, boys. Mm. Thank well you, thank earned. You. And, and we, we might add that you were the only Irishman. No, no need, let's not right? do that. So we that... Can, uh, yeah, we'll edit that out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we do our, uh, you know, hardcore listeners of the Murphy Maxino show. No, this all started 10 years ago as sort of a uh, as sort of a joke. We were talking one year in our first year about some sort of interview we had done that deserved to win an award. And I said, yeah, maybe we should win a Murph and Mackie. And, uh, and it went from a joke into a full-blown award show, which is now 10 years running and has gotten the likes of uh, Stephen Curry to call in and give heartfelt acceptance speeches, you know, and, uh, and Madison Bumgarner and all these great Bay Area legends uh, who, have, who have called in to accept awards. Our in fun, fact, boys, in the very on, award that you, you know. guys won, uh, Most Welcome Irishman of the Year, was in the same award show that Curry called in and said that winning an NBA Finals was one thing, but winning a Murph and Mackey capped his year. Did he say this? He Is said, this, this all happened? Oh, that's amazing. Of course, he was joking. He was being lighthearted. But at least I think he was being lighthearted. Nah, and then yeah. he, said, uh, he said, all that's left now is to win a couple more championships in a couple more Murph and Mackeys, and I can call it a career. Oh. So uh, he's the best, man. Yeah, so, so yeah, what we do is, you know, we have big-time awards like, um, you know, Player of the Year and, uh, you know, uh, Team of the Year. That's very serious stuff. Then we have silly stuff, kind of fun-loving stuff. Polly Mack, who does his, his parody songs. We choose his Song of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we always choose little moments from the year that – that captured our fancy, and and we when we come back from a commercial, which I know you don't have to do in podcasts, mm. but when we come back from a rejoin, we say we have the voiceover uh, narrator say, uh, uh, "Last night at a special black tie gala at," and we pretend there was an offsite awards ceremony, much like the technical awards that are given out for the Academy Awards the previous <laughs> evening, and we say uh, last night, at, and we make a make up a funny ballroom that has to do with an inside joke about some um, boss of ours at KMBR, the Lee Hammer Ballroom. Uh, the award for most welcome Irishman of the year went to Owen McDevitt and Kieran Murphy, who flew from. I, f- I have to listen to the exact description how we wrote it, wrote it up, and then we play a snippet of your interview. So we uh, we played a little snippet of of Owen admitting that he still had the the tag on his uh, Splash Brothers T shirt when he. Uh, <laughs> when we, oh, when we got it, Brian. You. Brian, we played all this already. Don't you worry about that. We have. Um, oh, oh we've, ha- okay. we've hacked into your website and taken it all <laughs> down. Don't worry. Our, our listeners know all about it, so we, we all we can do is thank you once again. For uh, this, this uh, by the way, the award um, is in the mail. All okay. right, and uh, I, I would add, don't don't go waiting at the mailbox. Maybe it'll <laughs> arrive one day. Maybe. <laughs> well, now we want to talk about a very specific Super Bowl story, largely because we are getting into the business end of the NFL season. The playoffs are in January, so the Super Bowl, not previews as such, but the feature articles are starting to get written around this time of year it's in it's in the bay area this uh, this well next february the super bowl sure it's february 7th and man what a, what a mixed blessing to have it at this stadium that was supposed to be this palace this showcase this jewel and has turned into the symbol of all that is wrong with the 49ers levi's stadium poor levi's by the way 150 year old gene a proud dungaree company 
is now <laughs> I'm wondering somebody brought this up. They said, I wonder if Levi's is going to try to find a way to get out of this thing because it's like it's damaging their reputation now. Um, Levi Stadium was built in Santa Clara. I think we've talked about this. It would be the equivalent of building, you know, the the, the new Croke Park in in uh, Meath, right? In Meath, about 45 minutes up the road, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the equivalent of building the new Croke part in County Meath. And uh, I don't know, people might say, oh, that's great because there's parking and there's access. But you realize that when it's the actual reality happens, that you've ripped the soul out of the entire experience. You're no longer in San Francisco, and it feels very suburban and it feels very bland, not to mention the team stinks to high heaven. So the 49ers right now, their stock is low, low, low. But because they have a brand new stadium with all sorts of beautiful gadgets and parking and suites and boxes, they were awarded a Super Bowl. So Super Bowl 50 will indeed be in the 49ers stadium. There is no danger of the home team playing in their stadium for the Super Bowl. You know, it's never happened before, actually. They, you know, they schedule these Super Bowls at places like the New Orleans Superdome. Or the uh, they've done it for years in San Diego when that was that's now an antiquated stadium, but back then it was considered good. Or the Miami Dolphins Orange Bowl when they played, but it, you know, and they always run the risk of a team playing in there. The New York Giants hosted one a couple years ago. They always run the risk of a team, Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, of a team playing in that Super Bowl, and they haven't. It's never. It's always worked out because it would be an unfair advantage. So rest assured, the 49ers will not play at Levi's Stadium. But yes, Super Bowl Fifty will be here. Most people are anticipating a Tom Brady, Cam Newton showdown, which to me would save an otherwise forgettable NFL season. So we'll see. The big feature that we read, the article that uh, brought this to our attention, not brought the Super Bowl to our attention, we're vaguely aware of it as a phenomenon, but we want to talk to you about, Brian, was by Chris Ballard in Sports Illustrated earlier this month, where he talked about, as he, in his opening line, he describes it as the greatest Super Bowl story never to run in Sports Illustrated. It surrounds Super Bowl 29. It features a couple of big-hitting writers in there, um, but it was a story that was never actually written. It's an unbelievable piece of history there that I cannot believe has reached now the light of um, literature and is open for all the readings. Basically, this story is is a huge part of my life, my personal life. That week of the 49ers Chargers Super Bowl happens to be the week that I met, courted, and fell in love with Mrs. U.S. Murph, the great... <laughs> The great Candace, she was Candace Putnam then. She's now Candace Murphy, the legendary Candace Putnam, because she was um, doubled as not only uh, the certainly the most attractive reporter Sports <laughs> Illustrated has ever churned out, but also an extremely talented writer and reporter and wit and raconteur. She swept me off my feet, boys, with her uh, her style, and she happened to be part of Team SI that week. This is back when Sports Illustrated really was the business. You know, it's kind of a it's a bit nostalgic to think back that just 20 years ago, Sports Illustrated, the magazine was still the holy grail of journalism. It came in your mailbox. Everybody read it. And in the last 20 years, guys, that has evaporated into everything online. The paper pulp product is uh, has really just demi- the, the the subscription numbers have crashed to all time lows. Nobody holds that magazine in their hands the way I did as a kid and just felt this stirring in my soul when I was a youngster and got me into sports media in the first place. But 20 years ago, it was still the business, and they had a legendary football writer named Rick Tellender. And actually, he was a bit of a basketball writer, but became a football writer and was one of their best. 
And they had a young up-and-comer named Michael Silver, who's now on the NFL Network and has written so many great stories through the years. They had a young up-and-comer named Peter King, who I'm sure has been on your show a few times. He's the great NFL reporter here now. So those guys were up-and-coming. Rick Tellender was established. Sports Illustrated sent an army of reporters to Miami. And I happened to fall in with that crowd because Mike Silver was a friend of mine from the Bay Area. He went to Cal Berkeley. He had worked at the newspaper I had worked at, the Santa Rosa Press-Democrat, and he made the leap to Sports Illustrated. Long story short is that Rick Tellender decided that he had had enough of the Super Bowl and that it was an orgy of excess and capitalism and advertising and celebrities, and it had nothing to do with football anymore. Now, mind, this was 20 years ago he felt this. I mean, we think of it now as this kind of like, oh, my God, this bloated commercial thing that has nothing to do with football anymore. In fact, the fans at the game tend to be just corporate people. Only one-third of the stadium are actual fans of the team. So this was 20 years ago that Tellender said, this is it. The Super Bowl is out of control. And what had happened was in his travels in the Midwest covering summer training camps, he had met. A hobo, a real life, like from the 1800s, railroad hopping hobo. I mean, something out of uh, King of the Road, Roger Miller's King of the Road, you know, trailers for sailor rent, you know. So he decided to fly the hobo, whose name was Side Door, I believe, right? Or was it yeah, Side Door? Or si- side, door? side Door Pullman Kid. King of side the Door hobos. Pullman Kid. Yeah. He was the king of the hobos. And he decided to fly him down for the week and write the Super Bowl week through the hobo's eyes, take the most, you know, sort of antiquate or what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of classic American uh, 19th century archetype of a, of a traveler, a vagrant, a guy who would see the country and put him in the most modern, artificial, glitzy environment and, and let those two cultures collide. Here's the problem. It sounds like a really enticing idea, doesn't oh, yeah. it? It sounds like a hell of a read, right? Here's the problem. This was 20 years ago, and and they were looking for a game story, not an essay for online. They were looking for a game story. And two, he didn't tell his editors he was doing this. So when he (laughs) filed it Monday morning, they were flabbergasted that he had gone off the rails and written this entire story about a hobo at the Super Bowl. Not that the 49ers had blown out the Chargers, won their fifth Super Bowl. Steve Young had shaken off the ghost of Joe Montana, all the football stories. And he sent it in on a Monday morning at 10 a.m. Mind, it was my wife who was supposed to fact check the story. Mrs. U.S. Murph, who had flown on a 6 a.m. bird out of Miami to get to New York that morning. And they had to file the story by like 4 p.m. New York time that day. And they, the editor, Mark Mulvoy, he lost his mind. He flipped out. He tore the story up. He called Tellender in Miami at about 11 in the morning and said, you got to write a, a GD news story. And Tellender had to go ahead and, and rewrite the story in about two hours' time. And it was the story that never ran. And I would highly recommend your listeners um, give a read. I know you guys will probably tweet out the link. Oh yeah. But yeah, my wife was a huge part of this whole story. She palled around the whole week. Mrs. U.S. Murph was palling around with Side Door and Tellender, and there was little uh, little baby U.S. Murph just kind of gawking at it all. This is amazing. And, and, and that's the weekend that you met, that the, the two of you met. Yeah, not only that, I remember them going down to Key West. One of the one of the key parts of the story is they go down to Key West, Florida, which I've never been to. It's the little archipelago off the coast of Florida where Ernest Hemingway was famous for going and doing his writing and drinking. And he would drink his rum and stare at the sunsets and type. 
you know, and so that place has become very um, mythologized among literature people. And so Tellender's idea was to take Side Door down to Key West. I think it's a few hours drive from Miami. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask Mrs. U.S. Murph, but she's exercising right now, so I can't. So, uh, <laughs> so she, they all piled in a car and drove down to Key West where they have these Ernest Hemingway lookalike contests. And apparently Side Door kind of looks like Ernest Hemingway. So there was some talk of that. He ca- caused a stir when he went in. My buddy Mike Silver, who is a very brash guy, he got into it with some people at the bar. Apparently, Side Door stepped in and offered to commit a violent act if, if, things, went, if things went south. Side Door said he could do some old hobo violence on the guy. Candace, my wife, Mrs. U.S. Murph, said it was quite a memorable trip. So they went to Key West. There was all sorts of stuff. Like during the week, I would say, I would, you know, I was just really trying to play my game. I was trying to play my A game, guys, and kind of woo her. Right. But at the same time, you know, I would say to her, like, so, you know, hey, do we want to go get a drink? Where are we going to hang out tonight? She's like, well, I can't meet you till later because I have to go hang out with Rick Tellender and Side Door. We're going to go to a, uh, we're going to go to a mall. We're going to go to a, a corporate. I think he introduced Side Door to like, all the coaches of the teams and things like that. So she was there to document all this and make sure that the facts were accurate. So she had a front row seat to the whole darn thing, which was, it, you know, it's funny. I, I remember it all happening. It was all amazing and kind of mind blowing at the time. And it's funny. When things happen to you, you know they're epic. But when somebody writes them in an essay 20 years later, it takes on cinematic qualities. You know, it's, you think about things and you think, God, that was pretty epic, wasn't it? So there we were, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, my one regret is I never got to meet the legendary Side Door. I was always the kind of the guy. I was their meetup after Side Door. You know, we would go to a bar or a restaurant. You know, Miami goes all night. It was such an incredible Super Bowl town. South Beach and all that. And they'd be like, yeah, man, another crazy night with Side Door and this and that. Well, Side Door <laughs> said this to George Seifert. Side Door said this to Steve Young. You know, so <laughs> it was kind of funny. And I just kind of shrugged and thought, yeah, sounds like, you know, sounds like Rick Tellender's onto something creative, but that's not how Sports Illustrated saw it. And guys, I think the upshot is that nobody has the story. No, it, it doesn't seem to exist. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't yeah. seem to exist anywhere. And this is why, when um, I should say, Brian, you mightn't have you, you mightn't have met Side Door, but you did find the love of your life on the trip. So I don't think anyone's going to feel too a, sorry yeah, for not you. Not a complete <laughs> disaster, of uh, trip, yeah. you know. But yeah, no. Chris Chris Ballard said that the, the guy who wrote it up this time said that he it was this story that that existed as a part of Sports Illustrated lore. You know, they'd get the, they'd finish off a, 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 an edition of a magazine. And again, you're talking about back maybe when the magazine was the be all and end all. They'd get it to print. They'd go out for a few drinks and the older guys, the guys who, who've always been around would start telling these stories from back in the day. And one of those stories was around Side Door and this entire weekend. Ballard always thought, well, that sounds amazing, but I mean, it's definitely not fully true. And what he f- discovered was that it was, that it was all true. And there was another part we haven't even mentioned I think it was Peter King, the other great journalist that you mentioned there, had this access to Steve Young after the game, where he's driving around with Steve Young and seeing a, a, a part of sport that nobody ever sees immediately after a big match. And I think the upshot of that is that this access to Steve Young in which, spoiler alert, Steve Young vomits all over his high, his superpower agent, Lee Steinberg. He vomits all over Lee Steinberg's pants and shoes in the limousine because he's so utterly exhausted and dehydrated that when they tried to pour some Gatorade down his throat, his body rejected it immediately. And he was in this crazed euphoric state. I can, I have vivid memories of being in that down on that sideline and in that Super Bowl locker room. And young was 
really the only word I can describe is euphoria because he truly had been tormented by the ghost of Montana. I mean, he had lost the two previous NFC championships to the hated Dallas Cowboys and Troy Aikman, and he had finally beaten them in the NFC championship in 94, which still remains the greatest football game I've ever seen, the 94 NFC championship. The Super Bowl was a bit of a formality. San Diego Chargers were not a match. The real Super Bowl that year was the Cowboys and the 49ers. And Young, you didn't know. I mean, you knew how much it bothered him to not be Joe Montana and to not be the the glory boy and to be the little brother who could never get over. And so you knew it was going to be important, but man, his reaction was just so, he was so over the top. First of all, he was more emotional and open with his emotions than Joe Montana ever was. Montana was Joe cool. And that was part of the thing that always tormented Steve Young was how self-aware he was in the movie Bull Durham. You know, Nuke Lelouch played by Tim Robbins is the super talented pitcher who has zero self-awareness and he has all the talent in the world, and, and it allows him to just soar because he's unencumbered by any thought. And, and Kevin Costner is, of course, the super intellectual, hyper self-aware catcher who's of limited skill. And Ron, uh, 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 Ron Shelton, the guy who wrote that movie, is it, the great theme of that movie is the whole concept of self-awareness in sports and, and how it can bind you and tie you down and how you can just – and, and if you're self-aware, you're so jealous of those guys who are – so able to be free and let their talent flow and never feel pressure. And that was Steve and Joe. You know, Joe was Nuke Lelouch with not that much of a moronic attitude. but uh, <laughs> And Steve was Crash Davis. He was so self-aware. So when he finally won, he was so euphoric. He forgot to eat, drink. He exuded so much emotion that when Peter King climbed into the limousine with Lee Steinberg and Steve Young, Young barfed, ralphed, vomited all over uh, Lee Steinberg and the catch is that that detail never got into Sports Illustrated because of the mishap with the side door story or if it did it was squeezed in at the very end of the story whereas it would have been the lead you know here he was the MVP oh. totally exhausted and retching his guts out all over the limousine but because Tellender wrote all about the hobo and because the editor in New York flipped his lid after Mrs. U.S. Murph presented the story to the editor is that uh, is that King's details in reporting got completely lost in the wash. So yet another fun, amazing uh, anecdote from that week. Yeah, and, and we got to give major uh, props to our listeners as well. One in particular, uh, Aiden from Cork at On The Nickel, uh, who's in touch with us a lot. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who actually put us in touch with this story in the first place. So we should give our props to him as well. He included you in the... I was reading this going... Uh, he, he tweeted something like, a very personal story uh, to at KNBR Murph that you should check it out, Second Captains. And I, I went and read it. And the last thing I expected, I must say, was you to be the centre of a love story at the bottom of this particular <laughs> article. But there you go. We have a... You know, it's funny, guys. Just to add to that, non... The, the telling, just to show how that story continued to have wings is that when we got married in April of 1997, neither of us is particularly religious. And so we didn't have any Bible readings to do at the wedding. But I had too many groomsmen. I, I had eight, eight, I had, She had only four bridesmaids, and I had eight groomsmen. So we were like, what are we going to do with the tilted... It's a tilted playing field. So I said, why don't we take my four extra groomsmen, and we'll have them do a reading in four parts, but not from the Bible or anything religious. We'll write the story of that week in Miami. 
And that week, it, we wrote it in it. We tried to make it funny and light. I think it succeeded. We got good laughs in the church, although that's a pretty easy audience. You know, they're, they're, everybody there is ready to have a good time. So it wasn't like they were going to go with a critical <laughs> eye. But we wrote it lightheartedly, a little bit of sap and romance at the end, of course, you know, like a movie, like like Home Alone. You know, you, you have some comedy and then you have the cinnamon at the end. Um, and you uh, And we wrote it in four parts. And and so that wound up being our wedding reading. And Ugh. Side Door actually, we made a reference to to Side Door in the story because we were talking about when I was trying to find Candace this one night and trying to find Candace and and I couldn't. And and somebody said she's out with some guy named Sidecar or something. They called him Sidecar, and I was like, I was like, who's Sidecar? It was my first. And so we wrote it up in our in our wedding. So so the tentacles oh, wow. continue. Unbelievable! You're putting every other man to shame who's ever had to ever had to ever ever had the joy of writing yeah. uh, writing their own speech on their wedding day. Brian, listen, just before we let you go, what's the plan for Christmas? What are yourself and Mrs. Uh, U.S. Murph and know. the kids getting up to on Christmas Mrs. Day? Mrs. U.S. Murph and Mr. U.S. Murph are Santa Claus, and we have you know we're in the all the listeners know if you have an eight year old and a four year old. Magical times, boys. Magical times. So whether or not it's uh, – if it's not Elf on the TV on demand, uh, I referenced Home Alone because we just watched it the other day. If it's not that – so showing them the Christmas classics as they as – they, uh, w- they're wowed by the tree. Uh, they're getting ever closer. We have a chalkboard countdown to Christmas. Santa Claus was visited. It, we went to San Francisco, dressed him up, tried to dress the kids up to honor my father's memory of he always liked – my father's great lament was the casualization of American uh, wardrobes. He like <laughs> he used to drive him nuts when we would. My dad always liked to dress up and go out in the city as a formal old school guy. And the, and through the '90s, when people started wearing blue jeans and sneakers out to restaurants, my dad would get so hot. He's like, "Oh, we're never coming to this place ever again." So, uh, so in an honor, in a nod to the great Robert Emmett Murphy, we still dress the kids up, take them into Santa Claus. And uh, went down to Union Square, see the big Christmas tree. There's a big gingerbread house at the St. Francis Hotel with a train that goes around it. So trying to trying to establish little tiny little traditions in a San Francisco Christmas and stay at home and cook, bake cookies and do that whole deal. So it's a home Christmas, oh, yeah. boys. We're not alpine skiers like some of our friends who go up to Lake Tahoe and and do the slalom, but we uh, we stay at home and, and make sure it's a little it's a little home Christmas. Well, Brian, but, but not yeah. home alone, boys. We're still with them. No, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, make sure to count them. All right, Brian. Listen, it's been an amazing. We finally got to meet up with you, and you've just ended oh. it with the with the story of the year I on the would podcast. Say the story I think. Of the yeah. Year, yeah. So listen, have a good well, one. Maybe that story will win a Murph and Mackey in 2016, <laughs> Yeah, it right? should do. All right. Well, well listen, you. you boys, your trip to San Francisco, second to none. It left repercussions all over the place. You guys are legends now, and and only I only look forward to the future. So happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas to all the listeners, all the great Second Captains listeners who always hit me on Twitter. They're all awesome. You guys are the best, and hopefully your Christmases will be fantastic too, boys. So have a good one. I say I'm a million percent. That is better than a hundred percent. Oh wow, that was a st- that was a story. It had it all, really, didn't it? Even if Brian had no personal connection to that story, no. I would have been quite taken with it. 
Uh, the fact that it was that he, um, yeah, it was the essentially Brian has just given his um, his groom speech again, yeah, <laughs> a good few years later on this program and told the same story, which is uh, it did go down. It, it sounds like it did go down very well. I mean, mm. he was modest, but it sounds like he had, had them rolling in the aisles. Nah. Well, I mean, I think they were both professional riders. I mean, I think the bar yeah. of expectation was set pretty high, and it still sounds like they exceeded those expectations. Tear ducts, anyone, listeners? No, I wouldn't say tears. Well, just a warm glow. Yeah, I mean, I said, yeah, more of a warm glow. Do you want, do you want to hear, uh, Brian, we were talking about it there, Brian said that this story, the original, uh, how have I totally forgotten the amazing writer's name now? Uh, Rick, um, uh, Rick Tellender, yeah. Tellender, yeah. His, um, I think Heaven is a Playground, is that the name of his famous, got a really famous baseball book that always pops up in searches of the greatest American sports. I haven't mm. got around to it yet myself, but apparently it's absolutely superb. Uh, his opening line, Silver, who, another one of the writers who was Brian's, in there, it was Brian's mate. Remembers he he thinks he remembers as close as possible what the opening line was yeah. uh, of a story that now never exists. Uh, so his idea is the leaders along the lines of this: to survive the inevitable blowout letdown that is the Super Bowl, you need faith, booze, and a whole lot of levity. So I called my friend side side door Pullman kid, the king of the hobos. I mean, that's one of the greatest lines. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> read the second line. Of I that. would definitely yeah. stay and read the second, and maybe even the third line mm-hmm. of that story if it's happened. Not sure about the Croke Park and Mead idea either. I'm with Brian. I think. Croker needs to stay. Probably not a brilliant idea. Needs to stay in Dublin yeah. there. All right, we're almost out of here for... I mean, we do have to leave this Christmas cabin at some stage. I'm sure, I know well, Ken's. stop broadcasting. We're not leaving. Oh, we're no, just of course. Stop, yeah, that's we're just going to stop broadcasting. Well, we're not going to step out and get some more supplies? No, we no, seem pretty well, no well I've, 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 I've chopped all of the firewood we'll need. <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday the 29th. That's Tuesday the 29th. There's a full round of fixtures on Monday, including Manchester United against Chelsea. So we're going to leave Monday's football podcast until Tuesday to wrap up all of the action from that. Uh, just about it from here. Yeah. Oh, I've got to wish everyone happy Christmas. Have a, Have great a Christmas. very, very happy Christmas. happy Christmas. Thanks for listening. Not only all is Ken going to, yeah, not only is Ken. Thanks, yeah, exactly. Thanks for everything all year. We'll, uh, what's been, there's still a few, there's still a couple Putting of Putting up shows with left the, 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 the book plugs, I know that was a trial <laughs> for some of you. So Careful, I'm there might much. still be one or two of them between Christmas and New Year, well, so let's not apologize. Not only is Ken going to wish you a happy Christmas, he's going to make this Christmas a little bit happier for you by singing out the show. What have you chosen for us, Ken? I haven't chosen anything. Actually. What's been chosen on your behalf? <laughs> Stay another day by East Seventeen. Hit it, Simon. Don't you know we come too far now just to go and try to throw it all away? Thought I heard you say you love me That your love was gonna be here to stay What a tune, yeah I've only just begun to know you All I can say is won't you stay just one more day Baby, if you've got to go away, don't think I could take the pain. Won't you stay another day? Oh, don't leave me alone like this. Don't you say it's the final kiss. Won't you stay another day? Amazing. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas, everybody.
What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.